as a, as a kid, I used to feel like such a nerd walking around with this instrument on my back that was as, like as big as I was. Yeah. It's different now. I kind of like it because it kind of looks like a coffin. So it does. It really kinda, does. It's kind of goth now. Um, you prefer to have like the interviewees respond to someone else's piece that you've done? I yeah. It's a, yeah, this is the, this conversation part is the least amount of effort I'm going to put into the podcast. This is the first one that I've had a guest contribute and talk about that. Eli was in the third one, but uh, I spoke to him before, but he hasn't heard that one yet. And I really fucked with his voice, so I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I really liked it. I took a lot of notes. I took a lot of notes when I was just upon first listening and then I listened to it again and thought about it in between and uh yeah I guess I got some stuff I can say yeah so this is like our our impressions um yeah I feel like uh well I also listened to your album uh last night before we listened to it again Mm. um the one on spotify or the the demo best one uh, the one that I wrote down the title, mm-hmm. but I, <laughs> oh, Retroactive Rock Record. Okay, the older one. Yes. Oh, there's a new one. There was one that we did last year. There was like a, well, it was called Demo Fest. It was based in Montreal and it was, you submit like however many demos you want, they'll master them for free, but all proceeds go to Solidarity Across Borders. Uh, the first thing, my first impression was a spooky noise drone. And... <laughs> a spooky noise drone, especially at the beginning, like it's uh, how did you describe it yesterday? Yeah, I, I thought it really sounded like um, a swarm of bugs. There's really like a, a sharp little sound, like a buzzing sound that kind of like rises in at the start. And it's really interesting because that part kind of like ties also a different part of the song together. It comes back and just like, it's, I don't know, it has a really, really nice quality that was interesting, definitely. And also listening to it and hearing like the cello piece and the, the processing on it, it kind of like, I was really curious about like what, what kind of inspired you to like build this kind of like noise like and soundscapes around it and from there. Um, I, a lot of these parts, I think the first episode might be the only one where I've intentionally made stuff for the song and everything else was, um, like I would sit down for 20 minutes and try and figure out how to use the synths that I have. I've got like a fairly limited understanding of how to use them, but um, spent enough money on them to try and do something. Yeah, that, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, so music is uh, inaccessibly expensive and even getting stuff used is a, is a challenge and a race against time. For each of these last few episodes, I'd sit down for about half an hour plugging everything in and then just letting things kind of play out for a while until i felt bored it's very it's not inspiring in any way um or like it, uh, exploratory so much as like learning how to use these tools yeah and then stacking them together and seeing how they work like i didn't want to interrupt your piece and i was actually worried that it wasn't going to work with this like the song at the very end that we were going to build into because like there was something like when I listened to it, there was something very magical to it, like something very exciting and moving and uh, akin to the 
depressing westerns that I've really enjoyed over the last ten or twenty years. That makes sense. Oh my god, I, I remember. Uh, I remember borrowing borrowing your DVD of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly nice. in in like second year. It really had an impact. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we watched that movie together recently. Um, yeah. Westerns. So I'm I'm fascinated to hear that you that you brought like a, a Western influence into this. Yeah, I think like that was the first thing I heard from your piece, and it was also compared to the stuff that I had done, which is sonic ideas like the sound of flies or trying to fit them in around a song that has like a '70s kind of groove to it. Like, yeah, that was that was a real challenge. I'm sitting there going like, this is so great, and I don't want it to. I don't want anything that I put to take away from it. No, I think you definitely added to it in a, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, and that's pretty much like the rest like of my notes is just that. <laughs> yeah. I loved how how calm and minimal it was comparatively, and especially in the previous episode. Um, I think you you two, are, other than my bandmates, are the only two who have heard every episode so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last one was really maximal, like just unfiltered, I don't know, Phil Spectory kind of shit where you just stack songs on top of each other and it sounds heavy. And for me, I, I, I enjoy that and I enjoy that sort of uncompromising world of noise and sound and uh, hugeness, but to have something that just demanded so much focus uh, was, was like a, a really exciting challenge. Yeah, it was, I also just loved the, uh, the synth was just so simple and underlying, you just feel like a little bubbling kind of noise. And then towards the end, it's like, wow, like the, the intensity of that overdrive coming in is something that I enjoyed. We do like our crescendos. <laughs> yeah, those the big like bus truck like influence is always there. Yeah. Like, having to bring in like a lot of distortion and like overdrive like at the end and try like to saturate the whole song into like something that's hard to recognize yeah, yeah. i actually thought that the end of this song you're the ending that you did it reminded me of like the ending of a, a godspeed uh record or show mm -hmm. where they usually just have it on like there's like this really noisy ambient loop that just keeps going it was really interesting. Do they do that thing where on vinyl where there's like a locked groove? Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Just, yes, they do yes. that. Yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, it's, it's such a little Easter egg that, but it adds so much stuff because you kind of like take an album and you can expand it forever and like yeah. in this little space you have like so much and you can like keep listening to it and it's like since it's so analog, it's also like always a little bit different. You have the crackle of the vinyl and like everything is like. Yeah, definitely. The crackle of the, of the vinyl, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, I like that for sure. The lo-fi, we really like the lo-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raw. And, and it's also so interesting that you mentioned how like simple and pared down it was because that for us was really different than everything we do normally. Um, yeah, yeah. You, uh, Liz described it last night as being more melancholy than anger, um, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, interesting. Um, like, Whereas, especially recently, recently we've been making more abrasive, like layered sounds, like yeah. kind of like slipping into the territory of metal, like experimental metal by like adding a lots of distortion to the cello, layering cello multiple times over yeah. itself, and like yeah. doing riffs and stuff. Yeah. Um. So when I like we sat down to record this, 
I kind of had you in mind because I had also I listened to your um, album then, like before, and I I had you in mind, and I sat down and I played, and it only like we recorded that in about half an hour, and it was purely improvised, and uh, it was really nice uh, to kind of have your musical voice and style like in in my head, and then seems like it was suited. <laughs> It was soothing. <laughs> yeah. It was soothing. And like same thing after the the little processing and synths I added were really just like me responding to the what the song and the cello made me feel. As often as we approach doing that, like just sitting down with the recording and like letting it play and seeing basically what it calls upon and like what can needs to be added or subtracted and this one really didn't demand it a lot but maybe just like yeah this little like adding a this little bit of grit a little bit of reverb and like playing around some soul effects but really just like yeah just basically amplifying trying to amplify the, the simplicity yeah there's like a there's a propulsive element to it as well like you, it, it's not something you would jog to um, but <laughs> i'm gonna try that you could have that kind of like unnerving sense of melancholy or like the sense of forward movement that goes really well with that sort of low end propulsive so it's still a, you, yeah. you still found it a bit unsettling even though it was more melancholic because if so like thumbs up like i think it's unavoidable the thing we do <laughs> I don't think we can escape it. Luckily, there seems to be uh, a niche for people who like to listen to uh, <laughs> un music that ranges from slightly uneasy to extremely uneasy. Or really disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> These people exist, and I'm grateful. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really like, and I was really excited when you added your voice in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was really excited about that because I don't know. Yeah. When did you pick up on that? Because like when you mean voice, do you mean singing voice or just the sort of artistic creator, uh, creator voice? Like uh, your like literal voice, like your speaking, oh, okay. singing voice. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I was really excited about that because, um... oh my God, my I take the worst notes. I literally do. They <laughs> make no sense. Uh, but it was, oh yeah, here it is. It was nice to hear our respective voices kind of creating something together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels like, and I really like how even if it's like in parts and it kind of like builds up slowly from the different parts together and there's so much space in it, it still mm -hmm. feels like a really cohesive piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your voice made it sound especially ghostly. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, right. Because it's kind of unstable. I feel like the voice kind of comes in and out and it's like, it's not super clear or crisp and that's a really nice quality. And we were talking about it last night and I said that it reminded me of um, Black Star from David Bowie and the way he uses his voice and the instrument. And also I like the syncopated drums, the more jazzy parts and like all these things coming together. Like it really, really reminds me of that album like and the way he treated these different elements together. Well, as the person wearing the Bowie shirt, I know yeah. it, it uh, fits. Find this incredibly flattering. Please go on. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I don't know where I'm going with this. We're sort of babbling a little bit, so let's move on to your thoughts further. It's okay to babble. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what editing's for. I, I I also like listening to people babble sometimes on podcasts because it's just like 
Oh, my mind can take a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, These are my friends, and they tell me what to think. <laughs> um, I want to know about the title. Mm. A twitch felt through the earth. Like, okay, A, this sounds very post-Rocky, and I yes. love it. It's long. Um, it's long, yeah, and yeah. It's, <laughs> it's long and just like a, like a sentence fragment. Yeah, yeah it's just like a, a noun phrase like a twitch fell through the earth that's very post rocky mm -hmm. but like the title is very like evocative mm. uh, I, I wrote primordial no that's true fits. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to too much mail yeah well yeah, i guess <laughs> um yeah i, I want to hear your thoughts on the on the how the title came to you I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I think it was a period of acknowledging the kind of like it's 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 the actual song itself had no synth. It was just guitars that were cut up and stretched and reversed and heavily reverbed and heavily delayed and detuned and everything. The only like somewhat natural instruments in there were bass and and a bit of a beat. Um, and I think there was just a kind of element of glitchiness or twitchiness that uh i kind of felt but i don't know when i title things i stopped trying to sound like like i'm addressing a theme and then just walked like would take a note in my in my phone and go yeah yeah it works like trying to walk the fine line between stupid and cool and <laughs> wherever i think it line. falls in the middle uh, yeah no i think i like this title I think like we both see music and art as extremely political like from the get-go yeah so, even um, if it's not like literally talking about the subjects themselves i think it's going to be embedded in different ways in, in the music and the soundscape and the titling and like the text we have a lot around the, um, the pieces um because often we're gonna like not have a lot of lyrics in the songs themselves that's changing yeah but we're gonna write about the songs when we publish them or share them and, and kind of extend around the the emotions that were in there or the ideas or the, um, the context uh, yeah. in which the songs was made so yeah. yeah part of it is that we view music as a way of accessing um, and processing personal and collective trauma which is also very much um, related to our our drive to create music that is political uh, yeah it is rebellious yeah definitely and i think we we are we were all inspired by like that kind of music for a long time too well godspeed you black emperor it's, yeah the, the classic and the same thing like they would often make songs without any lyrics but that still felt like at this kind of strong i would say like almost uplifting but also like challenging like emotional aspects or just like, like structures and yeah they would write a lot about it in their album art and stuff like that around it and they were kind of like build this kind of like this world or this these all these ideologies would be like kind of like spread out more in the text and in all kind of different ways around the music but you could feel listening to that music knowing that that it was in there like in some yeah. way without having to literally be like a punk song can be like fuck the police like just song like <laughs> over and over on a riff like I mean, the the project began initially because we wanted to create music and we were feeling really inspired by horror movies. Yes. Um, and then it just kind of developed into its own thing and, and keeps developing, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And there's actually the first line 
to kind of like jump from this horror thing um, on our like politics page is um, making horror music in a world full of horrors because I think that's maybe like the stance that we're at right now in terms of that and our Ali was talking also about the trauma and how, how so much of it exists in society and how like acknowledging it and just like processing it through music in a way that can be like understood and maybe like yeah. yeah. We went back and we read our politics statement on our website. Uh, we wrote in the summer of last year. We, we read it again and we're like, oh yeah, damn, like we really summarized it well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's pretty integral. And reading this again, we also realized that like not only were we making like uh, a political statement, a stance, um, but it was also kind of like a commitment that we were making um, that is part of what drives our music. You just like, you know that it's something you're working towards and that it's something that's important and something that you value and so you kind of commit to it. <laughs> and uh, I have this desire to, because this is an important commitment for me, uh, I have this desire to create from a place where I, I've, I've committed myself to some kind of uh, to a, a purpose, you know, or a cause that will hopefully make the world a better place in some small way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> help I think some people. I don't know. Definitely, and also it feels it, it it kind of ties into our own like personal like work in 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 the way like we unlearn these biases, but also like working our own like trauma and yeah definitely and like keeping up to this it's really further than just the music itself it's it kind of ties into our own like life philosophies too and how we approach these things is kind of like this is a good distillate of like i think this this approach um and having it written down and like something that we can refer to is is nice as a, a reminder also of where we are aimed at and like what's the, the path and even if it takes a long time and it's something that's always ongoing having a clear view of the path and the the values and kind of like motivated is, is yeah yeah that feels like something that's really important in the creation of, of art and music for me yeah the last interview i did uh carmen my guest talked about um her mother warning her about cafe communists who were predominantly like poets and writers and musicians <laughs> yeah yeah i like I think there's, a, it, it's probably some sort of uh, troubadourish thing being like, oh, I'm just here as an observer. I'm here as a travelogue. I'm here to write. And like, I, you know, that may serve some kind of a purpose, but like having that tangible reminder of whatever it is that you fight for, whatever that is that drives you, uh, gender equality, class solidarity, stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I find it really cool to, to be able to refer to it in a visceral manner. Um, and personally, I have a hard time putting it directly into the text because I always feel like I'm going to say something stupid and it becomes dishonest. Um, you know, like like Liz was saying a second ago, like you could write a, uh, a punk song that just says fuck authority. Like it's been done. It's been done so many times and so many better ways than yeah. I could do it. It's internally rewarding to shout that over like a very overdriven bass line. Yeah. I mean, and like, like as Liz mentioned, like a lot of this like stuff it is political but uh, uh it also comes from like our personal fights we're also motivated about making these like um hidden or shame ridden or 
repressed uh, like feelings or and experiences kind of heard. Yeah, and definitely that's what I think is a big reason for why our music is fairly <laughs> angsty. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, a good friend of mine uh, listened to my album back in the summer, and he said he's like. Jesus Christ, Haley! <laughs> like, 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 it's intense. Like, I'm not gonna take that music to the beach or anything. Nope. Nope. Well, I guess you can try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's been interesting because we've had like mixed feedback and things like that. Either like people responding like that, or some people even said that it was suiting to them. Mostly like queer people. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because maybe like having these feelings kind of like expressed and heard feels like as weirdly reassuring as like it, this is valid and this is something that you can like experience and live and yeah but some people said it was suiting to them as it's always like surprises me a lot yeah I, I, yeah i've heard that too or said mm -hmm. uh it, it made people feel better and i was like awesome yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i've uh, also heard people say you know like grips your heart <laughs> in a way that maybe isn't and like enjoyable so it's i don't know mm -hmm. but i don't know if if if, if we've succeeded in, in making music that gives people a diverse range of reactions i think that's like mm -hmm. and emotions pretty, and pretty cool yeah definitely and it means whatever emotional language we're speaking in through music is like uh being received in some way mm -hmm yeah but i think this part is strong and even when we jam like that's something we discussed last night often Haley would start laying out like a the first cello line or something and that would be like often extremely charged emotionally and i would like just receive that and it would be like a conversation like what that makes me feel guides yeah. me into like kind of sounds i'm gonna go towards or like uh, what i'm gonna play and then it just like feeds back like that and it's like yeah in short it's it's very feeling based yeah. lots of feelings yeah. um but like i also danny i also feel like your music has a lot of feelings i mean i at least i experience feelings listening to your i don't give a fuck about your feelings don't talk about my music that way <laughs> right yeah no, no i wasn't i wasn't taken aback like as in i was offended i uh <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, I think when I started, I kind of had an intent, an intense drive to express like an emotional response. I, I think I think that's inherent in a lot of stuff that I do. Um, I don't know if it's Disney turning everything into like Barney for thirty-year-olds, but I yeah, I have a hard time talking about my own emotional experience. I feel like I've spoken or told enough, even if they're just friends and you know the the odd person that I talk to or a musician that I'm trying to recruit for a live show I've talked about it so much that it doesn't feel true anymore at least at least when it comes to older stuff like I think I think the older stuff is less less actively politically politically charged like there was one song that I wrote on that record when Trump won and I was a lot less politically active at that time like I was surprised and retro retrospectively i am not like i i completely understand now why uh, enough people didn't want to vote for hillary clinton 
um, compared to where I was back then, which was like, but, but I, I thought everyone was with her. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. How come no one Pokemon went to the polls? <laughs> Liz, I checked out some of your, uh, SoundCloud. Um, I am, I speak, you know, Franglais, so I'm probably going to butcher the title that, um, but I listen to Cave Crawl and Spooky Techno Skeletons. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Great selection. Those are great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I like to, I like to do my, you know, musical research while I'm cooking or going out for a walk. So it was, it was making like a bastardized burrito while listening to Spooky, uh, Spooky Techno Skeletons. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I'm happy. What kind of, like, is there, is there a difference in, I guess, like, cause you were saying earlier, you and you and Haley kind of have a conversation going um it's like responding to their cello playing um what was it like jumping from your own kind of solo i imagine this is a solo uh project that you've got in your own sound class there's been stuff i've been doing for a while even like before meeting Haley, um i've been always just playing around um and the approach has always been more um driven by percussions and uh song structure and just something that sounds good i would like make a first sound or make a beat and work from there and sometimes i would have a driving idea but often the idea would kind of come in from the sounds themselves it's more like you know, a bit more technical approach compared to what i do in blood and dust so it's it's like it's interesting for the in the end, what I do on my own serves up a lot what we do together because I can bring these more technical aspects in terms of like programming drums and doing stuff like that and structuring things and, and putting these things together. But also while practicing, like connecting a bit more to the emotional aspect of music. Like So, for example, like that song that you think about, I, it was mostly it started as a joke. Uh, we just watched like the it was around Halloween just before and um we unearthed like that that old video with the skeletons dancing and i just like started with that um i knew there was a party coming along and i dj'd that party and i put that song in there and it was a lot of fun but the main driving for it was just like let's have fun with the songs and make something like yeah something that's that's like driven and like fun to dance on the song that i, I had at the end that was actually created before your piece oh okay out. And I was really goddamn excited to get your piece um, in. So I just thought, like, I, I, I hadn't done an episode in a while because I had recorded a few interviews. Like, these are all going to come out uh, a bit later in the year. I recorded a few musical ones, and that's, you know, been incredibly inspiring. And then I got into the technical element of editing conversations. And uh, this was the first one I had done in a couple weeks. So I was taking every every musical idea that I had from that 30-minute um, sort of modular ex exploration, a vaguely PJ Harvey-ish guitar song, and then a few, like a sort of, sync, you know, like an off-time drum beat and a, uh, a black metal-inspired guitar line that, uh, that my drummer Vic wrote. Oh, yeah, that was sick. Mm -hmm. That was really good, I think. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it was it it complemented it so well. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to use more of my bandmates' stuff. Like the last last episode, I did had a a noise piece that Gene wrote that I just did some sort of vaguely Scott Walker kind of like 
singing over. Um, and then this one was, like, it, it's an effort to try and make sure that I'm not being such a narcissist that I can't include my incredibly talented friends and bandmates material. <laughs> But I think you're already including other people's work in there, so I I don't think you need to worry about the narcissist part. <laughs> yeah, that's just for the conversational scene. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, this this one I think after a certain while I just got really wrapped up in YouTube cults and cults of personality, um, and lyrically that's sort of where I went. Uh, I had just this refrain doesn't that feel doesn't it feel safe that way which i think is repeated like once or twice at the end of the song interesting yeah doesn't mm -hmm. it feel safe that way kind of vaguely tied to that sense of comfort you would get from uh, a self-affirming cult You guys know what bread tube is? Bread mm. tube. You mean like left tube? Yes. Yeah. Leftist YouTube. Yeah. I, it's very white. Yeah, that's a good way to point it. Definitely. It's hard to talk about it as a whole. I would say there's, there's some YouTubers that I prefer. I, I I like I have phases where I watch and don't watch. Um, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts? I I mean I've, I used to really be into it when uh like I I actually really enjoy like I still enjoy going back to Michael Brooks. He had just a sort of very active organizing principle to him. Um, he was able to express himself very well, but he also seemed very, like he had that dirtbag appeal, which I get a lot from podcasts that I, I don't get from a lot of YouTubers. Like I get, I get, I get, I guess I get it from ContraPoints as well. I haven't watched her stuff in a really long time. Like I, I appreciate her production value and like the incel video that she made that she like blew up for was really insightful, but I haven't, really dug into them in some time yeah well uh, she hasn't made many videos in the last year no but no yeah mostly like really long ones but just a couple ones and like yeah, yeah. i noticed that the the bread tube videos are getting longer and longer like yeah. like feature movie length long well that's that's like our leftist memes too like there's a joke about our leftist memes are just like a square with like text like small print text in it like i think it's kind of like the equivalent of that <laughs> Yeah, that's what dinosaur comics used to be like as well. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I was on, on my way to work on transit, which is a long trip. Watching folks on Twitch get into like debates with a lot of with limited substance was not as rewarding after a certain amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Fair. I bet. Like I get, there's an audience for Twitch. Like I get it. I'm not gonna watch David Pakman play chess on it because like, he's a boring <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like I, I, I guess I get it. I get the point of having like a counterpoint to Tim Pool or to yeah, I don't know whoever the other le like right YouTubers were. But I think I just got kind of burnt out on it after a while or yeah i can relate to that um mm -hmm. have you ever watched uh cody johnston some more news uh yeah i've watched a few i think the last one of his i watched was about jim krasinski uh, I, I haven't seen that one i don't think john krasinski 
I'm getting confused with his his office character, but yeah, you know the oh, guy who. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was yeah. I remember that one where he feels like uh, his show was like ripped off or some some good news or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed listening to that show last summer and uh, like during the election last year because. Like, I, I was feeling so much, like, anger and, and frustration regarding, and, like, like a lot of anxiety, and I feel like Cody just kind of... Channeled that pretty well. Channeled it, like, like, <laughs> yeah. like the rage. Like, it's definitely too much for some people, but... Like, yeah, it, it felt nice because it kind of validated, like, what we felt and like... And just, like, the, the, the horrible handling of the pandemic and just, yeah. like... There's so many people who are like in denial of it, so it was kind of nice to see someone who was just like straight up honest and like really like pissed off and like, <laughs> yeah. And calling the the you know the U.S. out on its bullshit. Yeah. yeah. The most use I've gotten out of YouTube videos, other than uh, Korean ladies hanging out with animals. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, like Kitty Soros has taken up a lot of my time. I think the main thing that I, I think misses sometimes is there's a lot of like counter arguments or like deconstructions of, of things, but there's not a lot of like forward thinking in like futurism and like kind of trying to like envision what the society could look like, like, yeah, after it, which I found a lot of that during like the the big peak of like Black Lives Matter last year with all the afrofuturism like kind of like surfacing more and like so many black people actually did some kind of work like that and trying to envision a future that actually de deconstruct the carceral systems or like try to like imagine it because if we can't imagine it it's kind of hard to work towards it because we only have what we know to work from so yeah that was really interesting yeah. that's something i think lacks yeah. a bit in the the white leftist youtube there's a lot of like fuck this but like not like we should build that and like these <laughs> obsessions with these uh like apocalypse narratives yeah yeah mm -hmm. um which you know i think we should definitely be talking about how fucked everything is there's just uh you know people like people have been like predicting doom like it's like and a collapse of society yeah. and all these fantasies of like oh everything's gonna like shut down capitalism will like end and like is going to become a barren wasteland and we'll have to survive and stuff like that and like or there's no hope and yeah. uh like you know gen z is going to eat all of us mm -hmm. um <laughs> it's just this obsession that things that they're that things are going to be a fucking nightmare and that there's no hope and that you know we're just going to like revel in the the horror of it and not try to either address the issues that are contributing to these kinds of uh, future envisionings or trying to imagine a future and or trying to imagine a future wherein um, yeah shit's fucked because it already is but like there's also a future and there's something that can be built from it that's better for everyone Yeah, and it's usually involving things like community and restorative justice yeah. and you know environmentalism and mm -hmm. um, prison abolition and land back and you know yeah but i feel that decolonization that sells a bit less well at the box office <laughs> there's there's some kind of like because like reveling in all these apocalypse scenarios and like thinking about that um, also takes a, a fair amount of privilege to be able to like think about that and not get like too depressed or just because your life isn't threatened enough by these systems that you can like kind of picture them getting worse and like be kind of okay with that and like 
debate that in a, like a calm manner whereas like a lot of black people or like indigenous people they just see actually their surroundings they, they also f they already feel like they're in these these kind of scenarios so they don't want to like mm -hmm. just revel in that and see more media like portraying that let's not just like yeah. see them as something in the past but like let's, yeah. let's try to envision a future with like, them included like, those narratives are just like a trap and yeah. they really don't benefit anyone that much Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I think means a bit like the, the white like leftist YouTube like thing. It just took me back to the, um, the fucking throne speech where they like made yet another series of commitments to like ending uh, water advisories and uh, proclaiming a, this is a feminist budget, this is a feminist mandate. It's a, it's a bunch of bullshit. I don't really listen to that. Like it's I can just smell it from like Montreal. Um, <laughs> I find it useful to follow like what your intellectual or political enemies are saying. Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, with that narrative in the in the Liberal Party, like it's it's always been, or at least under JT, it's always been a an inclusive narrative, which is representation over substantial inclusive policies. It's just a veneer, you know. Like it's. He was still in charge when the RCMP started throwing out the wet sweat. I think that's a good point. Nice. Well, it, it's been lovely to chat with you, Indeed. and uh, I feel like I feel like I've had some realizations about our music. I know it's so fun to talk about it. Yeah, like, I just want to make music. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you both coming on. That was fun. No problem. It was tons of fun.